Lord, it is good to be still. And the summertime may allow for that to some degree. Teach us to make the most of that. And now teach us more of what it means to deepen our understanding, our practice, and all of the blessings of this amazing privilege we have to commune with you in prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week I asked you the question, why don't we pray? And uh, one of those answers was, we are too busy. And I'm offering um, the idea that the summertime could actually offer us a chance to break that bad habit, that inability to make time for it, because we tend to make time for what we want, particularly in the summer. And so I'm going to give you a few things as we walk through this series on prayer that will help you practically and creatively use some of your downtime to deepen your walk with the Lord. And the second answer uh, in prayer, and then your second answer to why we don't pray enough, perhaps may be that we... We don't understand all the mystery of prayer. And the answer to this is learning from Jesus. Well, what have we learned so far? Last week we learned that we pray because we need Him. We notice that the very first word is a, is a plural word. We've rendered prayer such a, an individual thing. Now, it's personal, but it isn't meant to be individual. It's meant to be collective as we pray with and for each other. And we pray to this Abba God, this Daddy, this Papa, this one that is is to be that one we can pour our hearts to uh, out, out to like none other. And yet, as as personal as he is and as close as he is, he's also sovereign and in power and control. And so we are to recognize that as we pour our hearts out to him and then speak back to him of his greatness because he deserves it. But then we also must pray because we need more than just this reality. Next phrase in the in this prayer that is our prayer, really, more than it's the Lord's prayer. He taught us to pray. The next phrase says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me break this into two parts. Your kingdom come, and then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, just like the first word was important in the first phrase, notice how the first word is important in the second phrase. Your There's an immediate switch, a huge change in the prayer right away. What began as ours because we need Him now quickly changes to your because we need so much more than what we are consumed with, fill our lives with, define our world by. Your kingdom come. We need more than just this reality, just this life. Just what we see and think that there is. He meets us where we are as Father and Sovereign Lord and Sustainer. But now He wants to do so much more than that. And this is nothing new in Scripture. We see this all over the place. And and I want to go back to Psalm 46, which we used at our communion time. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her and she will not fall. 
Come and see the works of the Lord. Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all of the earth. Now, notice what the psalmist does here. He calms the heart of the worrier, meeting them right where they are. God is our refuge and our strength and an ever-present help in time of trouble. And then he reassures them of his work in the present, faithfully promising his care. God is within her and she will not fall. Come and see the works of the Lord. And then he promises them all the good that is to come. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. But there must be a response on our part. Be still and know. Phil Yancey in his book on prayer speaks of this and says this command to be still is something we might call a habit of attention. Ponder that. A habit of attention. Listen to what he writes. On a walking pilgrimage to Assisi, Italy, the writer Patricia Hampel began to list in answer to her question, what is prayer, a number of things. She wrote down praise, gratitude, begging, pleading, cutting deals, fruitless whining and pulling, focus, and then the list broke off. For she discovered that prayer only seems like an act of language. Fundamentally, it is a position and a placement of oneself. She went on to discover that prayer is a, as, is, as a, is a focus, not a way of limiting what can be seen. It is a habit of attention brought to bear on all that is. A habit of attention that is brought to bear on all that is. Ah, habit of attention, he says. Be still. In that focus, all else comes into focus. In that rift in my routine, the universe falls into alignment. Stillness prepares me for the second command, that I know that God is God and that He will be exalted among the nations. Now, do you see how this falls into alignment in Matthew chapter 6? You see, we started with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's kind of about me. Stop, be still. Meet me where I am. But then the next words, your kingdom. This is about his agenda. This is about his reign. He is the focus. He's the one to whom I now give my attention. A habit of attention brought to bear on all that is I'm here to put everything into perspective. This is about you, Lord. This is about what you want. What you're doing as a king. What you're accomplishing in your kingdom. And this is so critical because we're so self-absorbed and distracted by the busyness of life and, and torn apart by the tyranny of the urgent. I love what Yancey says here. Prayer is a subversive act performed in a world that constantly calls faith into question. Isn't that beautiful? It's a subversive act because it stops and says, in in the face of all that would tell me that I'm not supposed to believe, trust, obey, listen, I'm going to act subversively. Stop and say, it's about you and your Kingdom. Where are you when you pray? Where are you when you pray? 
Do you feel like you're in the presence of Almighty God when you stop and pray? Do you know that you're in the presence of a king, that you're right in the middle of what he is doing in his kingdom? Let me illustrate this point I'm trying to get across here this morning with two stories. One of them was when I was in high school, I had a driver's license, I was enjoying the freedom of my um, of, of, of this license and my friends, and, and I had a time that I was supposed to be in, and uh, I didn't make it for when I was supposed to be there, and I was, was all prepared with my answer as I, I walked in the house as quietly as I could and made my way down the hallway past my parents' bedroom. And, you know, if they, they asked me, I was going to say, Plenty fast 11, you know, hoping they heard 20 past 11 instead of plenty past 11. <laughs> and instead, as I made my way down the hallway, I heard some speaking. And I thought, oh boy, they're saying, here he comes. Who's going to talk to him first? You know, and I figured I was going to get in trouble. Instead, they weren't talking to me. Seemingly, they weren't too interested in my arrival. But they were interested in me. Because as I got closer, I realized they were praying. And they were praying for their children. And they were naming them one after the other. And specifically interceding for them, for the things they were going through. And maybe I missed the part on pray he's not, you know, having an accident somewhere. but And I don't even know if they knew that I was there because I stood there silently and listened. And I realized I had walked into something very special, holy, all other, So consumed in all I was doing, enjoying my time, having a great time, pushing the limits, showing up late, it's all about me. And here they were. Making it all about him. Was all the conviction I needed. I had stumbled into a kingdom of which I was completely unaware. I had walked in on activity being carried out by Almighty God through His servants focused on the needs of what He wanted to accomplish in the lives of those children. That's my first story. The other one happened just a number of months ago. I was out at a restaurant with a number of guys before I came to this church. And, and uh, we were made together and, uh, and uh, we got the food, you know, it was delivered to the table. It came that customary time to pray. And so, you know, being paid to pray, you know, of course, I said, oh, you know, I'll take care of this, you know, hoping somebody else would pick up the tab. And uh, 
So then I, I began to pray. And in the middle of that prayer, the waitress came back. And she barged in on that and interrupted, did this, did that, you know, did something else. Somebody had gotten something and left. And I then continued on with my prayer after the interruption. And then afterwards, we all commented on the fact that she had no idea what in the world was happening. Not a clue. Now, I don't know if you've been in that situation. I was just in it this last week, and, and the, the waitress came over, and she very politely waited until we were done, and she realized what was happening. I am convinced, not because I, I want to criticize her, I, I don't think this woman had a clue whatsoever what was happening. She had no idea what prayer was and what we were doing. Now, here's the point. When we enter into prayer, Is it like my walking in on my parents and being overcome with a solemn awareness that I have just stepped into something so much bigger than me? Or is it like the waitress and we are just clueless as to what's going on? And he's just there to service our needs and we list the things and he's supposed to take care of them and we're done. Do you recognize where you are when you pray? Do you recognize who you're talking to? Are you aware that, that you are standing in a king's presence? Do you realize that you have walked in, actually, on a conversation that's already taking place, a whole kingdom in action, carrying out his purposes? And you just happen to be stepping in to the middle of it. When this is true, then we can finish the phrase, your kingdom come. The idea of a kingdom is that his majesty would accomplish all that he wants, that he, he would do all that he desires in and through his servants. Listen to Tim Addingly, Addington. He says, God rarely shouts. He comes in a gentle whisper to our souls. Unless we learn to hear that gentle whisper, Life is often drowned out, or the prayer is drowned out by the din of life. When we pray, we enter into God's presence in the most intimate way we will ever do this side of heaven. You realize that? The most intimate contact you can have with God takes place in prayer, this side of heaven. It may not always feel like it, but prayer is communing with this personal God in His presence who longs for us to know Him and longs for us to bear abundant fruit and we cannot remain the same when we are in His presence. We cannot remain in His presence without being changed and the more time we spend there, the more our lives begin to take on His character and to be with Him is to become more like Him. Your kingdom come. Prayer is not so a tool so that I can get what I want. Prayer is primarily a tool for God to accomplish what He wants. And that begins to answer deeply this question, why pray? Because He gets through prayer to accomplish what He wants to do in you. And you thought it was to bring Him your concerns so He could answer them. Oh, He's concerned about your needs. And He will answer But he wants more to change you because you walk into his presence. Why pray? Because he wants to do more in us than just act and fulfill and accomplish. He wants to complete the process of change. True prayer is how he gets your attention. 
And you need this process of change. And Jesus is the example of this. I mean, if he came to this earth as the incarnate Son of God and needed to pray, we need to pray all that much more. Our wants have to be informed by his desires. So when you realize where you are and then you pray, does that change what you say? Does what you initially thought you might request seem a little trivial? Does an awareness of his presence affect what you say? Does does what he wants become what you want? You see, true acknowledgement of your presence in the pre- uh, in, in before this perfect king will start to do that. See, God doesn't fail to give us what we want. We fail to ask for what he wants. So take your time. Focus. Stop. Realize where you are. Because you need so much more than just this earthly reality. And and let me prove that to you by by going to the next phrase. What, What else is there? I mean, if there isn't just this. Well, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, does that... Probably to most of us that seems a little unreal because we have um, kind of nebulated. I'm sure that's a word, and if it isn't, it ought to be. Heaven. We've decided this this is clouds and harps and, you know, I mean, I want life to be better, but I'm not sure when we get there I want to be floating around on clouds. We don't have a clue that the most absolute reality is actually what's happening in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What might that mean? There is an absolute reality and it's meant to be pursued. We've got this nebulous idea of this heavenly reality when in fact what we live in is a poor copy of the perfect reality. How do I know that? Well, Hebrews chapter 8 and 9 are full of this. And we're going to be coming back to this as we go through this next academic school year and looking at Hebrews. But let me just briefly read a few verses from Hebrews chapter 8 and 9. The point of what we're saying, he says, is we don't have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven who serves in the sanctuary. Uh, We do have this. He serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Speaking of the priests, he says, they serve in a sanctuary that's a copy or a shadow of what is in heaven. And this is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern that I showed you on the mountain. When Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater, more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not part of this creation. For Christ did not enter into a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter into heaven to offer himself again and again, the way high priests enter into the most holy place every year with blood that is not their own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of all ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself, just as man is destined to die once and after this face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He accomplished on earth in space and time on the cross what he then took to heaven and completed in the perfect sanctuary. 
And someday we're going to see that. That reality. There's an entire kingdom of heaven filled with angels that are perfectly obedient. And perhaps saints that are there with the presence of the Lord, completely fulfilling all that He desires. And He asks us to pray that that kind of behavior there would begin to start happening here in each one of us. You see, this will happen. And you're going to see this heavenly place if you placed your faith in Him. And that reality is going to be beyond our wildest dreams and the fulfillment of every possible earthly, God-given desire. And we will enjoy it beyond what we can even begin to imagine. And he asked that we would now begin to pray that that would happen here in me. As those saints follow you, as those angels do as you desire, would that not be what I would be like here and now in this Reality. There is an absolute reality. The question is, are we going to pursue it? Scott McKnight writes, you only, you only follow someone else when your own lights and sense of direction are not enough. And what we've got to recognize is what we live in is not enough. It's insufficient. It's a poor copy of the real thing. Our reality, in fact, is so weak that we conclude that there is no absolute reality and nothing could be farther from the truth. And it's a critical point for us to understand in this world that says, can we know that anything is actually true? Yes. There is a kingdom in heaven that is absolutely perfect. And we have been redeemed to join that. And we can begin to exercise that wonderful life of kingdom fulfillment right where we are. The question is, will we? Will we stop and be still? Do you recognize who you're talking to? Are you aware that you are standing in a king's presence? That you've walked in on a busy, perfectly being fulfilled life of obedience to God And you're meant to join it. And when you realize where you are, does that change what you say? Any chance that some of the silly things we bring before God start to feel trivial? And we begin to pray, Your will be done in me on earth as it is in heaven? Do we take time and refocus and recognize that we're a part of something so much bigger and our wish list starts to fade and our desires begin to align with His will list and we start to ask questions like, what do you want? What will please you? What can I do that's in line with what you are doing? And wouldn't that be the answer to all of my trivial concerns? Oh, don't misunderstand me. He knows our needs. He knew what it was to be in human flesh and to pour his heart out to his father and ask for the concerns of his heart to be met. But did he not show us ultimately, Lord, Not why my will be done, but your will be done. 
because I recognize that you are the king and I am joining you in your kingdom and your perfect reality needs to be taking place in me. That's a habit of attention that must be developed. So take the time to do it. Stop. Be still. Know that He is God. And pray, Your will be done on earth, in me, as it is in heaven. Let's tell Him that right now, shall we? Forgive us, Father, for so often in our distraction, in our despair, even in our disobedience, making it about us. We thank you that you love us that much, that you truly are our Heavenly Father, and you are concerned for our every need. But thank you for refocusing us this morning upon you, Realizing even what you did for us in this table that we celebrated was more about bringing you glory than bringing us salvation. And so we turn to you and say, this is your kingdom. Thank you for letting us in. Forgive us for barging in. With our foolish wants, in ignoring your perfect will. Continue to teach us to pray as we see that your absolute reality, you desire to inhabit our lives. May we be more like you because we have aligned ourselves with your will list instead of our wish list. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.